Hip Hop Legend is in the building. Doodle Bug, Diggable Planet, also known as C Knowledge. Sports Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, Life Two Sixty Five, iHeart Radio. You already know what it is. Thirty years later, and he's still cool like that. Welcome to the show, man. How's everything going? Man, I'm good, man. I'm loving that Phillies hat you got on. That yeah, I had hot. to throw it on for you here, and I'm a yeah, Mets fan, I like so it's... I like that. I ain't mad at you. <laughs> it's I know it's sacrilegious because I'm a Mets fan, but I got to represent oh, for you. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. But I'm I ain't mad at you, of course. I but but some Mets fans might be mad at you. Yeah, well, screw him. Cohen is really screwing the fan base over this year because he didn't sign anyone. He promised us a World Series in three to five years, and it hasn't gotten it done. The Phillies have actually had been closer than the Mets the last couple of years than the Mets. Yeah, yeah, they have. They've been they've been doing all right. They've been doing all right. Yeah, spoiling the Braves every year. I like that. Don't you like that? I love yeah. that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but how you doing, man? How's everything going? How how is your 2024 starting off so far? Because you oh, I mean, man, we had a lot off, here. Yeah, it started off great, man. We we started off um uh touring with the uh this band called the Black Pumas. They uh, they asked us to open up for them for a couple of shows in Philly and in New York. We rocked with them at the Radio City Music Hall. That shit was sold out and it was crazy, man. It was crazy. And so I mean, we've been touring like for like the last three weeks. Just got home like a week ago. And um, yeah, so far it's so good, man. You know what I mean? Everybody's healthy. My family's healthy. Everybody's good. So it's good, man. That, that's good to hear. And I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're still going in the hip hop world and continuing on your legacy, Diggable Planets, your own work. It, speaking of tours, because there's so many things I learned about you in just the, the days of Diggable Planets. Talk to me about this James Brown tour in South America, because I mean, touring with that legend. Oh, man, there's got to be a story there. Yeah, man, it was. Yeah, that was incredible, man. I mean. This dude is a I'm sitting here studying him from afar. You know what I'm saying? Like every time we would do a couple of shows and we would fly on the same airplane as him and he would get on there with his whole entourage and he had his cape on. He had his uh, this woman with him. I forgot who it was. I think it was might have been a family member or somebody, but she was with him and she was gangster. <laughs> Yo, you did not mess with her, man. She was hard. And um Man, this man, this dude was is, is crazy cool, man. Crazy cool. He was mad cool with us. He talked with us, you know what I'm saying? Gave us some advice. And just to watch him up on stage do his thing, man. You know what I'm saying? It was it was legendary. Mm. Legendary. What's some advice? We, I'm curious. Um, he told us just to stay true to who we are, man. Don't mm. don't ever let nobody tell you tell you anything less. You know what I'm saying? He he fought cause during the time when he was around, man, what he was doing was unlike anything. You know what I'm saying? And um so he just told us to stick stick to our guns, man. Just keep doing what we're doing. He liked what we was doing. And I, I was that made me smile right there. You know what I'm saying? Because this is a dude who's an integral part of the hip hop culture. I mean, most a lot of break beats was James Brown break beats. You know what I'm saying? That the cats rap to, dance to, DJs was, you know what I'm saying, doing their juggles to, you know what I'm saying? You started out as a DJ originally. Yeah, it, I it, did. With your mother's I, record collection with the pause tape. <laughs> I definitely did. I definitely did. I, I started off as a DJ because, I mean, in the early days of hip-hop, the DJ was the man. You know what I'm saying? It was all about the DJ. The MC was just um, that that person who got up on the microphone and got people to, and hyped up and, and ready and for, for the DJ. You know what I'm saying? Everything they did was to get everybody to pay attention to what the DJ was doing and get the party rocking. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, today it's it's so different now when you look at the, the hip-hop world it it, it's unbelievable because <laughs> when you look at it because 
when you look at, at the Grammys, because, you know, congratulations. I mean, all this years later, I mean, you won a Grammy for your record. How do you feel about the Grammys today when it comes to the hip hop awards? Because I feel as though that it's almost like a mockery. I mean, you see what happened with Killer Mike this year. As soon as he won his awards, they're letting the police in to arrest him right out the building. And then we know the politics that have gone on over the years where certain artists like Macklemore and different ones are winning over the super talented artists. What are your thoughts on just how the evolution of Grammys and hip hop? Um, yeah, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I don't have any control over that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, I, I do have a voting. I do have a a, a vote because we won Grammys. We have an opportunity to vote. I've never voted. Mm. Uh, but I do have a vote in the Grammys. Um, I don't know, man. It's, um, I have nothing against Macklemore. I think Macklemore's a talented dude. You know what I'm saying? I have nothing against against him and stuff like that. I mean, I think it's a reminder just of the greater society we live in. You know what I'm saying? I mean, no matter what you do as a minority in this country, they always gonna find a way to suppress, hold you back, filter it, uh, dilute it. And you know what I'm saying to try to denigrate it and put you in a box. It's always black music. It's never just music. It's always either black music or that black television show or that black movie or that. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just not it, to the to us. I mean, when we're growing up, I, I watched all different types of movies. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't say, oh, that was the Asian movie I liked or that was the white people movie I liked. It was just a movie. You know what I'm saying? It was like either might have been a martial arts flick, it might have been a comedy, and it was all different types of people in them. I I didn't really look at it like that. You know what I'm saying? But we always seem to get boxed in these little corners, which uh, gives people an opportunity to now, instead of just looking at it as music, oh, it's black music? Oh, I don't fuck with black people, so I ain't fucking with that. That's that's their music, you know what I'm saying? So, you know what I'm saying? I don't like that. And the fact that Killer Mike won those three awards and they got arrested, that's kind of, you know what I'm saying? It's just a reminder of just where we stand in this society, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they still disrespect I me. Mean, I don't know what went down in the situation, so I can't really speak on it really um, totally, uh, you know what I'm saying, be sure what I'm saying because I don't know why he got arrested or anything like that. But I think that in the sense of the moment, the Grammys, I felt like should have protected him more. I mean, this dude just won three of y'all Grammys. I mean, this should have been a situation. They should have tried to figure out a way to squash it so they didn't get to the point where he had to get arrested and embarrassed in front of the world, you know what I'm saying? After he won that prestigious award, you know what I'm saying? I think they should have figured out a way to, to, to handle that better, but I wasn't there, so I don't really know exactly what happened, what the circumstances were, but I just feel like, man, come on, man. They yeah. wouldn't allow, they, I don't think they would have allowed some other big, other top Taylor Swift or some shit like that. Yeah. She got to a, <laughs> a, to a beef with somebody at the thing. I, I doubt they would have allowed it got to the point where she would have been arrested and walked out of the Grammys. That would have been a bad look for them. It, it would have been, and it, we know why the way things happened it, it, we know why it went down it's blatantly yeah. obvious and it's just it's unfortunate and i mean these award shows i mean because i know there's a lot of people that when you hear like eminem and certain hip-hop artists they don't give a damn about a grammy i mean what are your thoughts on kind of when hip-hop artists say that coming from someone who won the award and you were beating out dre and snoop that year i think naughty by nature you beat out yeah big yeah time yeah guys. i mean i thought, I, I, I mean i you know i have no i can definitely understand where they're coming from because I come from that same um, school of thought, you know what I'm saying? Because in the early days, they um, would never really recognize rap. You know what I'm saying? The, f the first couple of um, 
awards given out for rap wasn't even um televised. She, they didn't even televise this year's awards. You know what I'm saying? They were yeah, they it was backwards. like a side thing. Like uh, for hip hop to be such a popular for um genre of music, for them to not um televise the awards, that's that that's kind of crazy. It's like just going backwards because that's how it was in the beginning days of hip hop. Then when hip hop got popular, they had no choice. They had to put it on it because everybody was demanding it. But now it seems like wow, they don't care anymore. Like they just they didn't televise a single one of the uh, hip hop awards. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, I don't know, man. It's it's kind of wild. It's black, but at the same time, I feel I'm proud of the fact that we won. You know what I'm saying? I, it's not. I'm not gonna. I'm proud of that, but at the same time, I understand why hip hop has always been adverse and skeptical of the Grammys and the Recording Academy Association because Recording Academy never really embraced hip hop. They they were for, they they were forced into embracing us, you know what I'm saying? Like that. And you could tell when you were around somebody, you feel that energy. You know what I'm saying? You feel the energy when, when you walk in the room and people looking, oh, yeah, yeah, that's my you know what I'm saying? Or they like, oh, that's my man, what's up, man? You, you could tell the energy. And that recorded academy, when rap came around, they was like, oh, here comes me. That's the kind of energy that they gave us, you know what I'm saying? They wasn't like embracing. So, you know what I'm saying? So I see why people say stuff what they say, but at the same time, I am very proud of winning that award. It, it was um, career changing for us. You know what I'm saying? It, it put us in a, a stratosphere that we might not have been if we hadn't won the award. You know what I'm saying? It kept our legacy alive in places where it might not have been kept alive. You know what I'm saying? So in that regard, I, I have no qualms with the Grammys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I do understand why certain rappers and certain um, pioneers and people who are part of this culture that we are um, that we all grew up in and raised, helped raise us. I feel I understand why they feel that way. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, I mean, some of these people out here that be voting for the Grammys, they they you can tell they have an agenda that's totally against the culture of hip hop. You know what well, I mean? Big time, especially with with a lot of these artists. And I'll name drop one, Ice Spice. That I'll stop it right there because we can go on all day. You spoke on it recently when I I look at the articles, just looking back on the 30th anniversary of Reaching, and you sp spoke about. The, don't forget about the art of music, the root of music. What do you feel? Do you feel so that the artists are just completely, they just, they're just following trends. Like what, what is happening to the point where the authentic hip hop sound just isn't a thing anymore? Is it the people in these corporations that are pushing the agenda? The kind of, it's kind of what you hinted at, but with yeah. the, there's, there's not many new artists following the root. And going back, it's well. There are no. I, I would correct you. There is. It's just that there aren't many on the mainstream. mainstream. That are on the mainstream. No, because in the mainstream, everybody is chasing the bag. You know what I'm saying? They yeah. chasing the bag, which is not wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? Because I we all want a bag. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's just you just got to figure out ways to do it that maintains your your integrity, what you about, what you believe in, uh, your foundation. You know what I'm saying? And some people don't care. Some people's foundation, they don't have a foundation. They don't have a moral foundation. They don't have a foundation to build off of. So when somebody throws you a bag and says you just go do what you got to do, they, they'll just do it. You know what I'm saying? And I, I can't, I'm not going to speak down on them. And I'm not going to diss anybody like any of these artists, new new artists. They, they doing what they feel like they got to do for themselves, for their family. You know what I'm saying? To try to uh, better themselves. I don't like some of these images I see. You know what I'm saying? Like, because my daughter, I have a nine-year-old daughter. And her and her girlfriends running around talking about Ice Spice and all these other people, blah, 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 which is cool. It's cool. But at the same time, I, I don't, 
I, I don't want them to think that that's the only way that a woman has to express herself. I mean, that's one way, but there's also ways like Lauren Hill ways, you know what mm. I'm saying? MC Light ways, you know what I'm saying? Remy Ma ways, you know what I'm saying? There's a whole lot of different ways you can do it. You know what I'm saying? There's a, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying one way is wrong because I have nothing against Ice Spice. You know what I'm saying? Because sex and hip hop has always been, it's always been a part of hip hop since the beginning. You know what I'm saying? I mean, every rapper wants to be around the women, the men, you know what I'm saying? We always want to be around the opposite sex. You know what I'm saying? You do you do things and you wear clothes and you you rap and you say certain things to attract that, you know what I'm saying, the opposite sex. You know what I'm saying? So that's nothing wrong with that. Uncle Luke said it all for us. I mean, there was rappers crew. talking about partying, sex, gangsterism. Everything that you can think of that's in the in our communities is being talked about by some rapper, you know what I'm saying? In in our yeah. in our in our culture. So I don't have nothing against. I just I just hate when they focus on one style and then that's the only that's the prevailing style that um everybody hears. And then when you think of hip hop, all you think about is this certain style. Like, you know what I'm saying? People killing everybody. I mean, but it's the truth. People do kill we do kill each other. Black on black crime is a problem, you know what I'm saying? And they do talk about it in rap music. I'm not gonna sit here and be Judge Judy on and Judge Mathis on and be judgmental with these cats, but I don't the older I get, I realize that's not something I want to do. That's not something I want to promote. You know what I'm saying? Personally. Even though I know a lot of cats like that. You know what I'm saying? I grew up around cats like that. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I also grew up around cats who was like that, but was 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 smart about it. You know what I'm saying? And had a respect for women, children. Now they, they I mean they said it back then too. They would I mean it's not like it's something new. This ain't nothing new. Talking about how they they'll shoot you, they'll shoot you right in front of your mom and your kids. And like that's like, come on man. It is it's I know it's a um it's supposed to be like shock and awe. You know what I'm saying? Getting people trying to get people's attention when you rapping, you know what I'm trying it's, it's that's that's what it's about. You know what I'm saying? But but there's a lot of kids out here that listen to this stuff that don't understand that. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, who am I, man? I just I, that's my personal opinion, but at the same time, I'm not against it because I, I, I there are certain uh, artists out there that that talk about stuff like that, and I like it. You know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna <laughs> lie, I, I like it, but I don't like the fact that it's how it affects these younger kids. But that's also also on their parents too. I mean, because you got to have parents around that can guide you and be like, "Yo, that's cool. Yeah, listen, we groove into this it's cool, but keep in mind, this is just." For inter- this is for entertainment purposes only. You know what I'm saying? This is not a lifestyle you want to go down. You know what I'm saying? Because m- when I was growing up, mostly all the cool people that I knew, all the super cool people, all ended up being broke, in jail, living with their mama, uh, like just like stuff like that. Being the guy on the couch. You know what I'm saying? The nerd just running the world. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that you got to be a nerd or a cool. Not don't be a cool guy. You can be both. You know what I'm saying? You can be both. You can be a nerd and cool. You know what I'm saying? But you got to figure out what you want to do and um, and you be, be true to it and stick to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You need to. And it, it's amazing to just read back and when we look at reaching 30 years later and then you listen back to the tracks on the album and you say to yourself that you hear someone that didn't find himself. Do you feel as though that you still haven't found yourself in a way? And do we ever find ourselves? Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's, I think it's a lifetime miss. I think it's a lifelong journey mm. of you figuring out. Because, I mean, we, we, we're we evolving. We evolve. Every time you open up a new book, you evolve and you're learning new things. You know what I'm saying? Every time you have an opportunity to wake up the next day 
and keep this challenge of life, keep the life challenge going. I mean, you're learning new things, you know what I'm saying? And you always learn new things. If you're not learning new things, then you, you're, you're stagnant, you know what I'm saying? So I think we can all we can always adjust and learn and, and um evolve. And um can't stay stuck in your in, in one way, you know what I'm saying? Because life is just too complex and it's a big world out there for a whole bunch of all different types of cultures, languages, types of music, philosophies, you know what I'm saying? So you gotta go out there and learn it, you know what I'm saying? 196 million so-called square mileage of this earth, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot of places, you know, it's a lot of things to see, a lot of people to meet, you know what I'm saying? So I encourage everybody to go out there and and, and see the world and learn new things, you know what I mean? I think somewhere where you learned a lot is California, Caledelphian. You love going there when you were younger and touring, but Amsterdam was somewhere that you love to go as well. Yeah, look, of course. So Amsterdam, back in the early days, that was like my that was like my hodge. That was like my weed hodge. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was like the mecca for all weed smokers. You know what I'm saying? I mean, nowadays it's not so much because now weed is so more, it's so much easily the access to get to getting good weed is, is a lot more accessible than it was back in the day. You know, especially where I was coming from from Philadelphia. It was hard to get that good weed. You had to go to the white boys out in the suburbs, you know what I'm saying, to get that good weed. And they taxed you crazy for that joy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now you can get that. It's way more accessible now. Dispensaries, and it's just a lot more accessible. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I, and I live in California now, so it's real accessible now. So I'm good. You know what I'm saying? So Amsterdam is still a great place. It's still a great city. It's more to do there than just weed. You know what I'm saying? Museums. It's a beautiful architecture, you know what I'm saying? The red light district. It's a lot of shit to see out there, you know what I'm saying? But definitely back in the day, Amsterdam was one of those places I was like, oh, I cannot wait to get there. Because I, I heard so many crazy stories as a weed head, like, ah, that's the spot. Da -da -da. To me, back in the days, Amsterdam and Humboldt County was like two spots, like, ah, oh, I got to get there. And I've been to both places many times now, you know what I'm saying, since then. And um, they're both still great places to go, but it's not as, it's not, it doesn't have, it doesn't hold the same feeling in my heart as it did back in the day because back now that i've been there and now that the weed is way more accessible it's just it's not the same but i still love those cities nonetheless though <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah it's crazy I, <laughs> just the history here because you're you wanted to play basketball originally and your mom was kind of the one that was really pushing you and getting you all these lessons and stuff like that but what is even more interesting because it ties in with the comic book you released you were writing stories and just drawing when you were a young kid in these com composition books your mother would bring home she still has them to this day have you thought about going back and revisiting some of those old ideas and i have I, yeah, yeah i already have I've, I've been looking at some of them um i haven't gotten all of them out of the storage um unit that she has yet but i have and it was I, it was i was lucky enough to have a mother who was an educator she was a teacher public school teacher. So she made sure that, you know what I'm saying? That education was important to me and my sister. And um, she always brought home books. She encouraged us to read books. Some of the books were kind of boring. So then I got into comic books and comic books weren't boring. They were fun, but it helped expand my vocabulary because they had a lot of big words in there, scientific, crazy, like scientific terms. Some of them were fictional. Some of them weren't, you know what I'm saying? Some of them was a lot of scientific theory, but it, but it was still, it opened you up like, damn, what's this word mean? You, you know what I'm saying? You go to dictionary, you try to find out, you know what I'm saying? And it helps expand my vocabulary reading a lot of these comic books, you know what I'm saying? And um, 
I grew to learn to have this affinity for comic books after that. I just loved them. You know what I'm saying? I love the fantasy of them being able to escape. It was like an escapism for me. You know what I'm saying? And um, I would write my comic books. And then as I got older, started getting more into girls and playing basketball and um, stuff like that. And I didn't want to be a bad. I wasn't good enough to be a pro basketball player. Not as good as like my partner, Ishmael Butler, Butterfly. He was way better than me. Me and him, um, but I thought I was good. I, I was pretty good. I was pretty good, but he was really good. Like he started, he, he was um, a starting guard for UMass, UMass back in yeah. the day under Kalapari. And, um, but music was such a powerful uh, thing in his life. I think he chose music over basketball, um, which was a good choice. You know what I'm saying? It was yeah. a great choice. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely love basketball. My mom didn't really. I mean, she didn't discourage me, but she encouraged me to try other things. You know what I'm saying? Because every black, every black kid in in America is, is has that same dream. You know what I'm saying? Find a dream that's more unique of you to you and who you are and what you really want to do. You know what I'm saying? And things that resonate with you. So you know, I did that. You know what I'm saying? And eventually, music became that thing. It saved me. You know what I'm saying? Because when I was younger, I was really good in school, but as I got older and I got into you know wanting to hang up with the hang with the kid, hang with the my friends and play ball go out and do graffiti and all that kind of crazy stuff. I started falling off of my academics a little bit, you know what I'm saying? But um, I was able to rein it in enough that I was able to go to uh, get into college. And uh, But then when I got to college, I started doing it. I started really getting into the hip hop thing more. And um, I became a part of this crew of Philly rappers and DJs. We called ourselves, we were a collective of rappers and DJs that called ourselves the Osage crew. The Osage Nation. Uh, at the time, I mean, of course, the, Os the great Osage Nation of Native Americans, you know what I'm saying? That was what it was named after. But we initially, it was named after, at the time, um, the MOVE um, people in Philadelphia. There was a big thing in 1985 where there was an organization called MOVE of these brothers and sisters that wanted to live um, like a natural, organic life. and um, but, they lived, but they was doing it in the middle of the city. And neighbors didn't like it. The neighbors didn't like it. They had their grass, they were growing weed back there. They were just doing all the and there was a bunch of black people with a long dread. So it just it scared them. And you know, scared these people, you know what I'm saying? So then after years and years of a lot of conflict between the neighbors, finally the city moved in and they tried to evict these people. They didn't want to leave. They um and this happened on the street called Osage Avenue. So then they blew up they the mayor good, who was the mayor of Philadelphia at the time ordered the police to drop a bomb on the house that the people were in. And they dropped the bomb and killed a lot of the kids and people in there. It was a mess. It was a big mess back in them days. And that was my freshman year in college at Howard University. And um, those cats that I met in Philly uh, that were from Philadelphia that were going to college, DJ Trouble Trev, my man Sean Houston, and a bunch of other cats, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we formed this group called the Osage Crew. I'd attribute to that to that movement, you know what I'm saying? And but we called ourselves Osage. It stood for outlasting suckers and getting exotic, out for sex and getting, you know what I'm saying? It was like we had different acronyms for it, you know what I'm saying? That just to be funny and fly about it, you know what I'm saying? But that's when I started getting more into the rapping because I met this guy named DJ Trouble Trail from Philly. And I thought I was a good DJ, but when I met this cat, yo, this cat was nasty. I mean, he was fast, like juggling the ill scratches and i was like yo this dude right here is dope 
So then I became one of his MCs and we would go up there and we do parties at Howard University. And in fact, we were me and my crew, we were the first ones to bring salt and pepper down for one of the Howard University homecomings at this place called the WUST Radio Music Hall, which nowadays is the 930 Club in DC. But we brought salt and pepper down for homecoming and we did all this. And we also brought Just Dice down one year for a concert. And we did all this because we wanted to, to do it, but we also made sure that we was the opening act for these shows. You know what I'm saying? We always opened up for all these shows. You know what I'm saying? And I was making money, promoting. The shows were success. We was, I mean, I remember after that Song Pepper show, man, after the show, we went to this hotel room and we laid all, we, we, we laid all the money on the bed. It was so much money. I was like, yo, son, I don't know if I'm going to school tomorrow. <laughs> 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 oh, man, we had mad money. And it was just, from there, it was just downhill. And I was just, promoting mad parties, doing my music. And next thing I know, I was on academic probation at Howard University. And um, but at the time, I didn't really care. My mom was mad at me, but I didn't really care. I was making a lot of money and making meeting a lot of people. And um, during that time was when I met Ishmael uh, on the um, party scene, Washington, D.C., Philly, New York. We see each other in different places. And on a date with two girls, too. Yeah, that's how we that's when we really connected. You know what I'm saying? My girlfriend at the time, uh Zenora, was dating this I mean was was friends with a girl that he was dating. And we went on this date and we started chilling and he started talking to me about his music, what he was doing. I was telling him what I was doing, my music at the time. I was in a group called the Dread Poet Society, my man Bun and uh, Jamar Truth. We was in this group called the Dread Poet Society DPS, and Ishmael was developing this idea for this group he had called the Diggable Planets. And um, when he realized that I was also in rap, and uh, and I, I let him hear my demo for my group, he's like, "Yo, yo!" He asked me to help him develop this idea he had for Diggable Planets. You know what I'm saying? He'd been working on it for a minute with the insect. And um, yeah, the insect. It was something different. It was different, but it but it resonated with me because I would have never said what he said and how he said it, but what he did say, the substance of it was powerful to me. And it was, a, it was a, it was a message that, that uh, I could relate to, you know what I'm saying? All of, it was all about everybody doing it for the good of the community, for the good of the hive. You know what I'm saying? In the insect world, it's not about ego. You know what I'm saying? There is no ego in the, in the insect world. You know what I'm saying? Everything that they, the um, insects do is for the good of the hive. You know what I'm saying? So that's the concept we had, you know what I'm saying? This is all for one, one for all type, you know what I'm saying? On that brand Nubian, one for all, brand Nubian is all for one. Yeah. <laughs> so was, that, I was like, yeah, that's a dope idea. So uh, he started letting me hear some of the ideas of the music he had. It was some really great music. And me, he and I started digging through crates, going to um, record exchanges, these record stores, uh, trading in old records that we didn't, we couldn't find any good breaks on and trading them in for other records that we could try, you know what I'm saying, looking for rec for breaks and stuff like that. And also we would trade them in also to get money so we can go get some pizza and some weed and stuff, <laughs> stuff like that. You know what I mean? And gas money for his grandma's car, you know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, that was good old days, you know what I'm saying? But that's how we started. And at the time I um was really good friends with a, with my uh with Marianne Vieira, also known as Ladybug Mecca. She was uh living in uh right outside of DC and uh out in the uh, suburbs of Maryland. And I met her at a couple of different hip hop uh, functions in DC. She's a dancer. And, uh, yeah, she was dancing and stuff like that, and a part of these crews and stuff. 
And I met her during that time and we got real cool. Her crew and my crew got cool. We would hang out sometimes. And then um, her and I eventually started dating a little bit. And um, that's around the time I met Ishmael. And um, he was talking about the group and we would connect and talk about the group sometimes. And sometimes she would be there. And eventually he saw uh, what could be if all three of us did this together, you know what I'm saying? He, he, he liked that, the concept of the three of us, two guys and a girl. He said that he thought that would be dope and different. And, um, so he asked us to be a part of what we, what he was doing. And, um, we did, and he was, uh, um, uh, an intern at this classic record label back in the day called sleeping bag records, just dice, mantronics, a lot of different, uh, club dance music was on sleeping bag records. He was an intern there. And through his internship, he was able to meet a lot of different A&Rs at different labels and people that worked at different labels. And so he utilized that and um, to his advantage. And he would take our demo and he would drop it off whenever he had to go do make runs for his label, sleeping bag to other labels. He would drop off the demo to a particular A&R. You know what I'm saying? And eventually it got to this guy named Dennis Wheeler, who was at this new upstart label called Pendulum Records. Uh, started by Ruben Rodriguez. May he rest in peace. Um, Dennis Wheeler also rest in peace. He's not with us either. But he he heard our demo and he really, really loved it. He loved it. He called Ishmael in and told him he was interested. He wanted to meet the whole group. Ishmael called me down in Philly. I was in Philly at the time. He called me. I was like, yo, man, get Mecca, man. We got to... Y'all got to get on the New Jersey Transit, jump and ride up to, to New York. You know what I'm saying? We got to meet with this label called Pendulum. I was like, word, Pendulum? I never heard of him, but I was like, yo, that's what's up. And we went up to New York, had this meeting, sat in this office with uh, Ruben Rodriguez, Dennis Wheeler, uh, a bunch of other cats was in the in the office. Uh, maybe one or two other people was in the office. And then we performed for them live in the, in the office. And they interviewed us, talked to us, and they liked us. And a couple of weeks later, they offered us a, offered us a deal. And that was it. That was yeah. it. And you ended up going gold too. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was a blessing, man. We went gold. The single went gold, and the album went gold. Yeah, I mean, just just truly a big time debut from you guys. And and, and you guys were signed to this deal with Pendulum. When we look at it, it was a multiple album deal, and then eventually they just moved on from you. Yeah, well, the label they didn't do it willingly. I mean, the label kind of fell apart. Just. After eventually it just it just uh fizzled out. Yeah, it fizzled out. You know what I'm saying? They the first album was distributed through Electro Records. And then in between our first album reaching a new reputation of time and space and our second album, Blowout Comb, the label left Electra and joined with EMI. And our second album was distributed through EMI Records. And then after that, I don't know, I, I don't know the details or between what happened between Pendulum and EMI, but something happened and they lost favor and lost the distribution deal, I think. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but it definitely fizzled out. And around the same time, the group started uh, fizzling out too, you know what I'm saying? We, there was a lot of tension between the, the three of us, um, personal shit, you know what I'm saying, that yeah. just bubbled up. And being 20-year-olds, 20-something-year-olds at the time, we didn't deal with it maturely or the right way. You know what I'm saying? We did. We dealt with it like 20-year-olds would. You know what I'm saying? 
I mean, not saying all 20-year-olds is like that, but you know what I'm saying? But we were. You know what I'm saying? That's just who we was at the time. We just dealt with it the way we did, and we brought, we decided to just part ways. And um, so we went our, we all went our separate ways, and um, I went back to Philadelphia, tried to figure out what I was going to do next. And then eventually my man, um, Michael Hughes, may he rest in peace, um, he was a bass player for this go-go band called Rare Essence in Washington, D.C., he also played the bass on um, Vaughn Mason's hit song, Rock, Bounce, Rock, Roll, Skate. He had a studio in D.C. And he asked me to come down and um, help him out developing artists in the studio, things like that. So I went down there and started developing artists in his, in his studio, Renegade Studios in Washington, D.C. And while I was doing that, eventually he would let me stay there. You know what I'm saying? Like he would let me like after hours, I would just be there all night. You know what I'm saying? He would look cold. He would leave and I'll be there all night after the artist, I would engineer a session and the artist would leave and I would stay there. And, that, and I utilized that time to develop this new idea I had called the Cosmic Funk Orchestra CFO. And that was the beginning parts of when I started doing my, I figured out, you know what I'm saying? If I'm not going to do this digable planet shit, I can't get this music shit out of my blood. So I just started creating this new idea called the Cosmic Funk Orchestra, CFO. And and then I eventually went back to Philly. And when I got back to Philly is when I connected back with my homies, Kai Chi, Jason, Jay Truth, all these cats. And we we formed and I and I and I, I invited them into the band CFO. And then we got a, we got some musicians. I met some musicians and we formed a, a big a real band. Like it was a real first when I first created it. I didn't have a band orchestra. The orchestra was just me and my wild ideas and the samples that I was using and all that. You know what I'm saying? But then I, I eventually had a real band. You know what I'm saying? Horn players, bass player, drummer, guitar, keyboards. You know what I'm saying? It was dope. You know what I'm saying? We even had background singers. And um, my man, Brandon Rossi, helped facilitate facilitate that. He was a, a, he was just a lover of good music. And he grew, he grew mad weed. He was like a, he supplied a lot of mad motherfuckers back in them days. You know what I'm saying? He grew a lot. He helped sh sh start a lot of weed farms, you know what I'm saying, around the country. And um, he became my manager at the time. And he was really engrossed in this uh, hippie jam band kind of scene. And we, so he had us touring all these little hippie jam bands and uh, these Grateful Dead cover bands and, uh, reggae bands like Toots and the Mai Tiles and a bunch of other groups. It, it was mad fun. You know what I'm saying? It was always mad good weed around. People always, it was always mad fun and the people resonated and the people loved what we was doing. You know what I'm saying? We had a great following and we toured for a year or two doing that. We had a, we had our own tour bus and everything. It was, it was, we, we felt, we thought we was large as a bug back in the day. No, <laughs> nobody knew who the fuck we was, but we had like, we had a little, we had our own little audience. You know what I'm saying? That was following us around. It was mad fun. You know what I'm saying? We put out a couple of, we put out some mixtapes and we put out a one full length album called Return of the Cosmic Funk years ago. And then eventually the uh, Diggable Planets got back together again, like 2000, I think it was 2006, we got back together. Yeah, I did, I did want to talk about that. How did that yeah. get, how did you guys reunite? We, um, man, over the years, it was always interest, people calling up me all the time like yo what's up with your group man y'all think y'all do get the back together get to do this reunion show at this blah 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 and i was like i was like man i don't know man i can't i can only speak for myself you know what i'm saying i can't speak for everybody else but i'd be down but i can't speak for nobody else so i don't know i can't really i don't know and i'm not really that 
in contact with them. We weren't really very much in contact with each other. And I'm sure they were getting the same offers from people too. I'm sure they were, you know what I'm saying? And eventually over the years that, you know, that just kept happening and happening and happening. And somehow, I don't remember exactly, I can't remember exactly how we did, but somehow one of us reached out to the other and um, expressed interest in, in doing, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's do something. And um, so at the time, Ladybug and her husband at the time had a studio in Manhattan and um, they invited us to come up to New York. So me and Ishmael flew in to New York, met up with them. We sat in that studio and hashed out our issues as well as we could. And it got to the point where we were like, yo, yeah, all right, let's do this. And so I had some contacts in Europe uh, with some promoters and stuff. And I made some phone calls and we had a like a month-long tour set up in Europe. All these little clubs and bars and cafes and lounges all throughout Europe. Um and we didn't know what to expect but when we got there. Like every single show, like there was lines like wrapped around the corner, like it was crazy. And we were like, "Wow!" And the crowds was just like foaming at the mouth. They just couldn't. They wanted more. And after the tour was over, we got back to the states. We decided we was like, "Yo, that was beautiful." And we we decided to keep it moving. And we got some offers in America to do some shows. And we started going around the country, start doing it. And that was just how we. That was the beginning of it. We had some hiccups. During that time, there was a few times where we stopped doing it, had a disagreement, stopped doing it for maybe like six months to a year, but then got back into it. And But ever since, like, I would say 2010, 2016, I think maybe around 2016, 2015, we got back. And since then, we've just been rolling, like nonstop. We've been chilling. Everything's been good. So... That's good. Hopefully, we're, hopefully we can keep we can keep doing this. Maybe do some new music. I, don't know, I was going to ask that because the fans we would love a new diggable planet. Yeah, I would love to too. But you know, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I would love to. We've talked about it. We've seriously sat down and had some some talks about it. And um, everybody seems like they want to do it, but there's still a few hurdles we gotta um, get over before we can actually. Um, make that a reality. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Is it kind of more with the business deals? I know you're big on independence. You stress that with the newer artists. Is it the business side of things? Not really, because we've been getting a lot of offers. I mean, a lot of, uh, we've gotten uh, some offers that other people would not, would be, look at us and be like, yo, I, I don't know what the hell y'all doing, but I don't know why y'all not taking this <laughs> offer right here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's more, it's more personal and a vibe. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I mean, we got to get that vibe. You know, you don't want to go in there and force nothing just for the sake of making new music, because then if, it's, if it sucks, then everybody's going to crush you. You know what I'm saying? So whether people like it or not, I would rather, and all of us, I think, would rather go in the studio with the with a feeling of positivity and knowing that the vibrations is on a high frequency so that regardless of whatever we do, we we feel good about it. As long as we feel good about it, that's all that matters. If nobody else likes it, I don't know, it's whatever. But long, we got to feel good about it. And I think we just got to get in that, that right place to do that, you know what I'm saying, and we're still working on that. But luckily, we still we're in a good enough place where we're we're actually doing we're still doing shows. The fans are coming out; they're loving it, and it's a beautiful thing seeing um like ten year olds all the way up to like seventy year olds at, at our shows. You know what I'm saying? 
like a whole family's be coming out talking about yo i was listening to you back in high school and i let my kids hear it now they loving it i'm like yo that's i mean wow man it almost brings tears to your eyes like damn man because you you go all through your life as an artist wanting shit like that that's what you want you know what i'm saying that's what you that's what you do all this for you know what i'm saying and to hear people say that is it's a beautiful thing man yeah you yeah. got big time records i know everyone just cool like that i mean nickelback funk when you look at it knife wonder to me is one of the most important records that you guys released and that okay. is something that was interesting with me going back and looking at the critic reviews because you had so much creative freedom with the second album and then bringing in an orchestra you had a lot going with the second album and they kind of said like with the criticism i think the only criticism was that people viewed it as more dark and I think we know where that's going from the the white critics. But was there was there like a downside of things? Did you notice like that criticism when the, the, the second? Yeah, album yeah I noticed. Out, that. Yeah. I mean, the label. I mean, initially the label was discouraged because they wanted another cool like cool that. like it's that, and you guys didn't they, want something that. They, something they can market and sell. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, they uh, gave us the freedom to do what we wanted to do. And we had a good manager, Brenda Dash at the time, that fought for us and allowed us to do what we wanted to do. They might not have liked it, but it was what we wanted at the time. That at that at that moment in time, that's who we were. That's, what we, that's where our heads were. Blowout cone was where our heads was. You know what I'm saying? And it had to come out. If it didn't come out, I don't know. And 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 the funny thing about it is, is though, is though it's not the most commercially successful album between the two, it's the most critically acclaimed album between mm, the two. I agree, because it's more, it's not as mainstream, but if you're a real hip-hop yeah. guy who yeah. appreciates the message and roots, that's yeah. The, yeah. Everywhere I go around the world, people tell me that they, they blow out comb is their, is their joint. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I wish, yeah. them, I wish, them, I wish the sales would have reflected that, but yeah, that was, <laughs> that's pretty cool, too. I ain't mad at you. <laughs> and I think a lot of groups face that. I mean, when you look at, I mean, Black Sheep, they, because with nonfiction, they couldn't get back into the mainstream. People didn't like it. They, they, they didn't have another choice as yours. I mean, third base, once they went in the pop goes the weasel, they couldn't get back to gas face. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Once you have that mainstream appeal, it's, it's pretty much you're setting yourself up for failure. As it's sad to say in a way, in a way it's like, you know, there's always, where there's a will, there's a way, there's always a way to get around it. But, you got long as you got true true fans like the underground is all fan the underground yeah. has always held you down. The underground will always hold you down if you genuine and you real. You know what I'm saying? They will hold you down. Yeah, and they've been and the underground has held us down for over the years. You know what I'm saying? That's a fact. I mean that that's the main thing with hip hop is that I think we need more legacy acts to release new because then it people it gets the people back thinking and just be like, well, like a new kids can discover like De La Soul when they drop their new album. It gets the young kids introduced yeah. to it if they haven't heard the classic records yet. Yeah, I mean, it's like rap is, seems like the only genre of music where that doesn't happen. Ageism, you know? yeah. It's the, the, you know what I'm saying? They don't they don't talk about ageism in rock music. I mean, no. I mean, they might, but it's not, it don't look, it don't seem that way from an outsider looking in. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it looks like they give mad respect to all their fucking, all the people that came before them. Whereas in rap music, oh, you too old. What You're you doing? Old. rapping? Ah, da, 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 da. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. In my opinion, these OGs out here is rapping, out rapping the young boys nowadays. I Me, agree. honestly, be honest with you. 
I agree. Buster Rhymes, he's still got. Come on, it. man. Buster Rhymes, come on, man. You, you can, there's no, there's no young boy out there that can, that can, that can has the performance uh, that he has, the energy that he has, the hits that he has. Like, I mean, come on, man. I can't think of a single new artist out there that can that could compete with Buster Rhymes on a live stage show. This, no. I can't think of one. I maybe I'm missing somebody, but. He's one of the best, man. He's one of the best, man. Yeah. LL Cool J, the GOAT, you know what I'm saying? A public enemy. Run DMC. I mean, come on, man. This is Big Daddy Kane. This is too many to name, man. Ice Cube, you know what I'm saying? G-Rap. For real, man. This is this is a bevy of just crazy, dope, old school artists that are still holding it down, maintaining. And there's some young boys out there doing their thing, too. I ain't mad. They are, you just have to dig. You know what I'm saying? If, you, if you're basing everything on the mainstream, then you got uh, a skewed uh, view of what the hip-hop landscape is about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You got to dig beneath the surface to find that, you know what I'm saying, that real shit. You know? And it is out there, like Coast Contra. Coast Contra's out Brass there. Cast is song. Crazy. Them, them cats is lovely. My man Reef the Lost Cause, Cy Rock. There's, there's a lot of people out there, you know what I'm saying, that's doing their thing that are dope, you know what I'm saying? Underground rappers, you know what I'm saying? New cats. And I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm missing some people too, but there's a lot of good cats out there that I, I fuck with. There is. And I brought up Buster Rhymes earlier. How was it being on that set? Because you were in the Flavor in Your Ear remix video, of course, Rampage, Name Drop, Diggable Planets. And you knew you knew Puffy from being at Howard. He was at, he was yeah. starting these dance circles with the salt and pepper performance there. Yeah, yeah. No, he was. He was yeah. one of the main, he was one of the main guys in there. They would all wear these little big fixed sh sold shoes, house music shoes, and they all had the clothes on, the, the high top phase. And, and whenever they they would uh start these little dance circles in the middle of the uh party, and it was just be on. Puff was Puff was one of the main dudes. He was an ill dancer. He was also a dope uh, party promoter too. And um, I remember when he first got the job at, up at Uptown Records with Andre Harrell and them. He would come back and forth. He would be at school during the week, and we'd go up there in the weekends and stuff. Sometimes he'd go during the week. You know what I'm saying? When he could, when he had time, and um, come back and all these the stories. And he sometimes he would bring back people like Heavy, Heavy D, and the boys would come down. You know what I'm saying? It was it was mad cool. You know what I'm saying it was mad cool. It was mad cool to see all that. I never knew that all those cats I went to school with would turn out to be such incredible uh, music executives. You know what I'm saying? Harv Pierre, uh, uh, Mark Pitts, like all these guys. You know what I'm saying? They all Derek Angeletti. All they all these guys. They all became incredible hip hop producers and record label executives. Hey, it's it's dope. It was dope. I can't. I, I grew. I was lucky enough to come up in a in a really good era. Oh yeah, the the, the best era in hip hop. But but the yep. flavor in your remix video. How was that shoot? Because you were around all these characters and you called LL Cool J the goat. I mean, he was in the. Vi I mean, yeah, he was there. Yeah, it was a lot of people there. They um they shot it at this little uh sound stage down the street from my my apartment in Brooklyn. Uh. They called me up. Puff had one of his peoples call me up and asked me if I'd be down to be make a cameo on the video. And of course, I mean, of course, I was like, hell yeah. And they told me the day I need to be down here. I went down there. And it was Buster, LL, uh, you know what I'm saying? Of course, Biggie. Rampage, all the Biggie, all these cats down there. We were smoking weed, laughing, telling war stories. It was it was mad fun. It was a, it was a great experience, man. You know what I'm saying? 
It was real dope. I'm I'm I was I'm very honored to be a part of that. Yeah, the, that's an iconic moment in hip hop. Yeah, it was man. Remixes of all time, without a doubt. And rest in peace okay. to Craig Mack too, because he's oh man, hell yeah. Off. Rest in peace to him. He did set it off, no doubt. Yeah, he set yeah. it off for Bad Boy and just the whole era yeah. there. Yeah. Diggable Plants. I know with all the comic books, I think Diggable Plants would make a great comic book. Have you thought about that? I Especially thought it would be. Yeah, I think. I um I include their um the characters Ladybug Butterfly and myself are characters in my graphic novel series that I'm that I'm putting out. You know what I'm saying? This is my yeah the Epic of Heaven Earth Association. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The characters of Ladybug uh, Doodlebug Butterfly are characters in the comic book, and as the comic book, as the novel uh uh starts getting expanding into more issues. You're going to start seeing their characters being more involved in the storyline. Mm. And, and you've been working on this series. I read from since the late nineties. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, tw- over twenty something years. You know what I'm saying? I I think um, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. I was in DC, and that's when I met my uh my business partner Thomas Bue, aka PT Swope, and um, he and I started developing this idea. That we had, you know what I'm saying? It took us a long time. We, we we took long breaks though. There was a lot of times where we took years and we we just he had business to do. He was working at BT. He was an executive at BT, and he's also a lawyer. He's a bass player. He he was doing a lot of different things at the time. I was doing other things, and so we kind of broke off for a minute. And then when the pandemic hit in 2020, we had nothing but time on our hands. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and we would talk sometimes. And next day, in one of our conversations the comic book that we wrote came up. We were like, oh, and we started digging through our uh, drop boxes and looking, I was finding all the old files and and I was like, oh shit. And then we just started putting it back together and we had, you know what I'm saying? We decided like, look, shit, ain't nothing else to do. Let's, let's see what we can come up with. And we put it up, we started putting it back together and um, became the book, you know what I'm saying? As you know it, you know what I'm saying? This book right here, you know what I'm saying? Uh, with time. illustrations by Kim Ledee and my main man Guy Head the General straight out of the Bronx you know what I'm saying and you got the graffiti uh, right there yeah 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 so um, I'm very proud of this we're going to sometime later this uh, this year we're going to drop probably issue number two and maybe not, we might put out two issues this year we might only do one it depends but definitely another the next issue is coming out sometime this year maybe by the summer we were we getting that in. It's in production right now, so hopefully that'll be out soon. But the first episode is out right now. You can go to www.epic-heavenearth.com and pick it up if you want. Or if you're at a Diggable Planet show, ever find yourself at a Diggable Planet show, go to the Diggable Planet's merch table, and you can get one of our Diggable Planet's T-shirts, hoodies, hats, and you can also pick up one of my graphic novels. You know what I mean? You got to pick it up. And what do you got on the way as far as your solo work is see knowledge? Because Caledelphia, when we look at it, man. That's, oh, yeah. I got to do, I got do a lot knowledge. I got a lot of new music, bro. I got some features I did with some artists. My man, 50 to Caesar. I did a song with him out of Compton. He did, he about to drop something. We did a joint together. I did a song with my man, Hezekiah, uh, from out of Philly, and Jim Stevens, a jazz artist out of um, New Orleans. They put this project together and the Soul Rebels put this project together and I'm on a, I'm on two songs on this project they putting out that's pretty, that's really banging. And I'm doing a collaboration album that I'm putting out later this spring 
uh, along with these these brothers called AD Empire, the Reza brothers. They got they call themselves AD Empire. They've been putting out mad music. Uh, one of their brothers, one of them makes all the music. The other one raps and sings. And we're uh, doing a collaboration album together called A Galactic Love Supreme. Um, the first single is called Mother Earth. Um, it's going to be out probably like I would say sometime in the spring. We're going to shoot a video for it. It features um, McCall White. She's doing it. She sings on the on the album for us, on the song for us. She's an actress, been in a lot of different movies and TV shows. She plays, um, I don't know if you watched the Black Mafia, BMF on Stars, the BMF show about the Meech brothers. Meech okay, yeah, I actually don't have stars, but I'm well aware of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she plays the mother. She plays their mother on that show. Okay. And then her name is McCole White. She's in poof. Man, when you see it, when you hear her sing, man, she's whew, she's incredible, man. I, I was blessed to have her sing on the song. You know what I'm saying? We got a couple other little features. Um, Nema Nefertiti is on on one of the songs with us. Um Working on a possible uh, collab right now with me and Sonny Chiba from Camp Low. Camp Low. Yeah, so, uh, and a couple other people, a Bone Crusher. We might be able to get Bone Crusher in the joint. We're trying to work out his schedule to see if he's going to be able to drop a joint for us. But hopefully we're going to have this project out called a Galactic Love Supreme dropping later on um, this spring or early summer. You're working. You got a lot on the way. I'm working. I'm working. Yeah. I'm trying to, man. <laughs> And on top of that, on top of that, I'm domesticated. I got family. You know what I'm saying? I got kids to take care of. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I got dogs and cats. And I got like a little zoo over there. I'm like Dr. Doolittle over this moment. <laughs> <laughs> Every time my daughter sees a, an animal, that she she has to have it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I hope she turns into a, I hope she becomes a veterinarian or something. She loves them. She's really good with animals. Hey, it, it might be a sign early on here. That's what it she, might may, be, you know? she may be. Might yeah. Be. Yep. Yeah. It, it it could be the case. Doodlebug, <laughs> is there anything else you would love to let your fans know that we didn't cover here tonight? I mean, I think we we covered the whole history. Yeah, we covered everything, man. Mad Max, I appreciate you. You always allow me to say what I got to say and um, promote what I got to promote on your platform, and I appreciate you, man. I'd like to thank you um, for the love, you know what I'm saying? And um, MJ Savino, my manager, Melody. My brother Butter, my sister Ladybug, you know what I'm saying? The band, the culprits, my family, my whole crew from the Philadelphia, North Philly. What's good, y'all? You know what I'm saying? OGZ, Uptown. Um, all my Caledelphians out there, you know what I'm saying? My album, The Caledelphian, is still available if you want. We got it on vinyl, got it on CD. You can also get the digital streaming. You go to my band camp, cknowledgepresents.bandcamp.com and pick that up. And um, the new stuff is coming later on this year. So hopefully y'all check that out. And if you hear about a Diggable Planet show in your area, please go check it out. Please come check us out. Come say what's up and party with us. Have a little Hennessy. You know what I'm saying? And let's have a party. You already know how it'll go down. Daddy know. Yeah. Daddy know. <laughs> I'll party with the vets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. You got to party <laughs> with you guys. And it'll be a real party, man. And thank you again. Thank you to Melody, as you said. And anytime, once you release a new album, love to have you back on the show. We can go into it. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Let's do that. Let's do that. I want to like to have um the AD Empire on here with me so we can all talk about the music and what we're doing and shit. That would be dope. Absolutely. I'm 100% down for it. Thank you for what you've uh, done for hip-hop and continue to do and keeping the roots alive and just spreading the positivity and just everything what hip-hop is about because peace, love, and you. unity. 
That's where it started from. Thank you, my brother. Salute to you. And everybody, check out officialdiggableplanets.com. You can check out tour dates. You can get merch. You can check out music. And also uh, a graphic novel. You know what I'm saying? If you're into comic books, in the books, you know what I'm saying? I, I suggest you check this out. You know what I'm saying? So check it out. Make sure you purchase it. You won't, you won't regret it. Doodlebug, thank you for coming on the show again. And then they can follow you on Instagram at official doodlebug and on Twitter at C Knowledge. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. You're I'm still, and I don't know if anybody's still on Facebook, but I'm still on there, man. You know what I'm saying? You can find me on there. I'm under uh C Knowledge. You can find my fan, my fan page, C Knowledge on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? Come check me out. Say what's up. You already know. Doodlebug, enjoy the rest of your night and take care and stay safe. All right. You too, brother. Peace. Peace out. Peace.